They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another fun-filled episode of Shooting the Shit with Chippa. As always, I am your host, Chris Chipman, a.k.a. The Chippa, coming to you from the internet. Woo. Before I get into my uh, very special guest today, I'd like to thank my $15 or more a month patrons. They are Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, Hugh K. Campbell Jr., Alex Peregrine, Kevin C.V., Mike the Gatherer, Tyler Freshcorn, Mark Price, Collaborating Online, Alex Shaw, Seth Comfort, Seth Decker, Andrew Krause, Little Nicky, Robert V. Aldrich, Aaron Moriarty, Carolyn Thompson, Scott R. Curie, and Shore Hansen Gusted. And to my newest patrons, Patrick R. Young, Scott R. Curie, and Chris Charles, thank you guys very much. Um, that list keeps getting longer. And I'm going to keep saying your names because you're all awesome and you allow me to do this wonderful thing that I love and talk to all these awesome people. Um, and I really appreciate it. Uh, this show, as a lot of my shows recently, have been brought to you by Skeeter Plays. This is my buddy Steve Brennan, one of my very best friends. Um, I met him back in my early blockbuster days when I was 17. He's running a Let's Play channel now. Um, called Skeeter Plays. It's over on YouTube, and he's playing um, a lot of indie and lesser-known games and having a blast. He has a guest on every time, and I should be a guest on there soon, so check it out. And with that, um, the land of video games is a good segue into today's guest, uh, the creator of the new Shooting the Shit logo, for those of you that have been enjoying that, and also just all-around great guy and awesome friend. Um, sir, introduce yourself. Um. So I, I'm Josh Wilson. I, I, I don't know if I'd necessarily call myself a game developer so much as a guy who happens to work on work on games on occasion. Uh, you know, right now uh, I'm I'm fairly young. I'm 22. I go to school and work full time programming tax software for uh, the Florida government. Uh, and I mean, yeah, I mean that's the basic gist of it. I, I I've been working on games since I was 10 or 12. You know, I started in high school with like batch you know uh and just from there it's just steadily gotten more complex till i'm at the uh mild level of adequacy i've reached today <laughs> uh, hey dude you know i i i think that you know i'd say it's a lot more than adequate you know uh, developing and making anything uh is is hard i have very minimal knowledge of game design my my extent was um, I did pretty well in a C++ class in high school. And again, we're uh, 16 or 14 years separated from each other. So, yeah. you know, you, you had a lot more access to, I'm sure, a lot better stuff. But I did that. I did a lot of MATLAB programming in college for um, number crunching. So I can find my way around that. But uh, I am um, in awe of anybody that can make, um, you know, 3d moving pictures from code it, it just blows my mind and i think it's really cool and you know to let people um listening know you know hey how how did these guys find each other it wasn't just you know oh this is a, a buddy i know on twitter um i had put out a hey i'm gonna be at pax east and you were one of the people that was like hey come check out my booth i'm developing a game and you know i came down and got a chance to play it and it was awesome so uh i don't know if you want to I figure we could either start by going, hey, what got you to that point? Or, you know, tell people, you know, so w what were you developing for PAX? Like, what what brought you there? 
So at the time, uh, I had been making games on my own for quite a while. Uh, and then I met a gentleman named Kyle Engman. I don't have to say his last name. I've only ever seen it uh, typed. But I met him uh, doing the Indies versus Gamers Game Jolt Game Jam back in 2013 or 2014, where we released uh, a small top-down shooter that was to the beat of music. It was one of my first jam games. Uh, and I had always been inspired by... There was a canceled game by the company that does all these rhythm games called Harmonix. They just released Fuser. Yeah. Love those guys. I've been playing Fuser nonstop since the day it came out. I'm in love with it. Well, I don't know if you remember back in the day, they announced a game called Chroma, which was yes, supposed I to be do. sort of like Counter-Strike meets uh, rhythm game. Uh, and it got canceled about midway through development. Uh, and it never saw the light of day again. But I, I saw it as a kid. It was announced when I was like 10 or 11. And to me yep. at the time, that the idea just blew my mind. And I've always been enamored by the idea of crossing a rhythm game shooter with uh, a rhythm game with like a first person shooter. Uh, and I started with that top down prototype way when I first started game development and me and Kyle, we shot back and forth various prototypes over the years. And then like uh, September of last year, I started working on my own uh, th a 3d prototype that incorporated a lot of those stuff that I remember from the original, like whatever, what leaked footage I can find, uh, from the original Chroma prototype, and I was trying to essentially recreate some of it. And I got pretty far, so I brought on Kyle, who had worked on the first iteration with me to try and do some art, because he goes to school for game design. Uh, and one thing led to another. Uh, and his class, every year, they would go to PAX. Uh, and seeing as I had done so much work on the project, he had gotten his teacher to get me a ticket that year, and I went. Uh, unfortunately, things didn't pan out just because he's a busy guy. And, and, you know, I just I don't think he was really feeling it. So he sort of had to go do his own thing for a bit. Right, right. Uh, and then uh, a game called BPM Bullets Per Minute came out like three months ago, like a little bit ago. Uh, and it was basically like you ever just like you have an idea and you're working on it and you see somebody do it with like the competence and resources that you could just never have access to. I was yeah. like, man, these guys did it way better than I ever could have. So I, I unfortunately, I released the demo that we showed at PAX. I cleaned it up and I put it online and the game is as of right now, I guess officially canceled. Like I, I'm no longer working on it anymore just cause it's, you know, you you when when somebody beats you to the punch, you don't want to come in with the uh, with the lesser version, you know. No, I hear you there, and I I really liked your game, so I'll have to check this other one out. If you say it's uh, you know, it's what you were striving for, because I I thought your game was great. Yeah, well, and Spirited very much is it's a uh, it's a lot of fun. I know that uh, Yahtzee Croshaw he reviewed it for the guy that he works at the Escapist as a game reviewer. Your game or the or BPM? No, no, he, BPM. Okay. I, I wish my game, but uh, pro probably not for a while. Right now, I'm working on. I've got I've I've got my fingers in all sorts of pies. Uh, I what I mainly do is I mainly work with a team of two other gentlemen, uh, a gentleman that goes by the name of Bike Cauldron and another guy named Avis, uh, and we form I guess a three person team called Saucy Armadillo Games. Why? And we're currently working on two projects on our own uh, with the three of us. One is uh, Metroidvania, 
uh, called The Red Descent that sort of crosses Metroidvania, leaning more into the puzzle aspect of it. Awesome. And that's that's my cup of tea right there. Recently, I've started learning net code, so we're trying to put together like a small like zombie wave shooter just to get out there, get some practice with like stuff like lag compensation, networks, lobbies, stuff like that. And then on my own, I've got a pretty ambitious project going on. I, I, I've always been like, I don't know, I grew up right as like games like Half-Life were uh-huh. like in their prime. And I look back, and I mean, I, like a lot of people don't remember this, but a lot of people my age, like VHS tapes were still like everybody Prom- still had a VHS. They were so prominent. Yep. Yeah, for like people make them seem like the relics of the past, but they like up until like 2007, like I think I knew, everyone I knew had a CRT TV and a VHS cassette player. And I grew up on a lot of that stuff. Uh, and this current game I'm working on is sort of a first person shooter that's sort of a throwback to like a, especially the original Half-Life, uh, but done sort of like a, sort of through the lens of what the late 90s, early aughts internet looked like to somebody my age, you know, because I caught at the tail end of it and I was a kid. So I look back on it with, you know, rose tinted glasses and it sort of has this nostalgic quality to it that I really enjoy. Me too. And I, and you know, I, I was living it, you know, God, if you were, if you were seeing it, you know, as a five or six year old, you know, I was seeing it as a, as a teenager in college and, um, you know, that, uh, those rose tinted glasses don't go away. I go back and try to use some of those relics of the early internet and go, Oh God, what was I thinking? But, um, there is just something super cool about, about that. And God, Half-Life, that was my uh, bread and butter. I, um, you know, I grew up on, you know, the NES, the super NES Genesis N64 with my brother, but like Half-Life was one of those games that like I made conscious decision to go out and purchase and figure out myself like you know that that singular like on your own experience like i wasn't aping off of someone else's console that had the game it's like no i have a computer my parents got me a computer and they bought me this game and there haven't been as many anymore first person shooters that are puzzle solvers you know yeah yeah a lot of it's really weird because you would think that uh like they were, they they've been so influential, uh, like Valve on the industry, like not just right. Half Life, but Half Life Two. That you think more games would have been like them, and the only thing that's really ever came close for me is like Titanfall Two was very very similar. Yeah, and in, in spirit at least, if not you know gameplay. And, uh, I, and I was I was very happy um, with the Metroid Prime games and their usage of platforming that Half Life did. It's like you know Half Life, like first person shooter you know um not first person shooter zero but first person shooter in like that vein of like having a world that you like ran around and it was big in scope and you know having you have to do complex jumps up things and climb things and solve puzzles and to have um metroid prime you know focus more on that and less on the shooting and destroying things um I, I, I love those kind of first-person shooters, and they've gone to the wayside, and it's a bummer. Yeah, and that's sort of uh, I have a lot of nostalgia for like the the mod scene that like yes. propped, that popped up around the time. And this game I'm working on now is definitely supposed to be like it's not just a game sort of taking place in a fictionalized version of this world where you know where 
it's like the early days of the internet. Everything was a wild west back then, and you know mm-hmm. things were still fun and new. I, uh, you know, before social media was invented and you know brought down the downfall of society as a whole. But yep. it was, I, uh, and and there's a certain like quality of where I'm trying to make the game not just taking place within because the basic idea is that in this in fiction universe that I've created, I. Uh, a few people can experience the internet through a VR headset that sort of uh, uses their perception to generate uh, what it would be like as if they were actually interacting with the internet. Uh, and like one of the, the the game starts off in a Counter-Strike clone and you connect to it. You don't connect to it. The, the menus look in a way as though you're connecting to it like a server. The character oh, cool. in the game doesn't talk to you like a character in a game. He's using the quote-unquote in-game chat. Uh, he's, you know, he's, uh, you, you know, like the orange speaker icon above his head, the awful, you know, super compressed audio. Yep. Uh, like, I really want to give the feel that, like, when you're entering this world, you're entering, like, a... Like an, uh, a bygone era, so to speak, like a very a very nostalgic area of when you were just chilling with your friends, you know, playing Counter Strike or, you know, what have you. And and it's supposed to be sort of a game that sort of takes you through a lot of those memories. I love While it. Is also this... being a uh, sorry what? No, is, it, is this the game you've been showing? Um, you've been showing like screen and uh, video caps from on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with is... like that, with like the swing arm and everything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been working hard because I I really like like what, it's something that gets like lost a lot back then is that like the blurry textures and uh, just like low poly art really left like sort of this abstract like it's sort of like you used your imagination to fill in the gaps, but there was enough information there to make it a little surreal. Yes. Uh, and I and I really like I've been calling the art style as I've been working on it like half like uh, because <laughs> I, I yeah I, I use a lot of blurry textures. I, I go for lower poly models where I can like I'm trying to I'm in the process of trying to figure out how to get my shaders to use a similar lighting model to early games. Uh, but I'm keeping some stuff like the animations are still fluid. Like there's some stuff that you would expect to see in a modern game there. But a lot of like the the feeling and the art style of what was what once was is there. I like it. Yes. You get the, the gameplay will be modern quote unquote, um, in, in its feel and touch, but the, uh, the visuals and the feel and the structure will be that throwback. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I I want this game. This is something I'm, I'm, I'm way, this is way up my alley. Yeah, all well, the. Oh no, go on, go on. Sorry. No, I say I, I just remember collecting everything Half Life. You know, like when when people would make a mod, or you know somebody, or the you know when Valve came up with their you know what was that Blue Shift? Is that what it was called? Where yeah, you played yeah. as the security guard. I just wanted all of it. <laughs> like it just and I, and I remember waiting year by year with all my friends for Half Life Two to come out, and then them launching Steam to release it. It was so funny. I hadn't used my Steam account in like 15 years. No, it's probably more recent than that, but maybe 10 years. And I logged in to to buy a game uh, a year ago, and 
it was like, hey, would you like to load Half-Life 2? And I'm like, I own Half-Life 2? Like, I thought <laughs> I played that on a friend's computer. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, I bought that and beat that, you know, on Steam. And, like, I had forgot. And that was because, you know, Steam was such a new thing that you didn't have, like, a server, like, a cloud server with all your games on it, you know, when that came out. No one had that. You know what I mean? So it's like my brain, I didn't even think of, like, I think of, you know, Half-Life 2 as a game I physically owned, but I didn't. You know, right. <laughs> it's, it's very weird. Well, um, I still like when I first started playing games as like a kid, like I still remember when Steam was just, you know, had that old Windows XP, you know, uh-huh. line, like dark green aesthetic to it. I mean, now it feels like a Chrome browser, but <laughs> I mean, for better or for worse. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, when it, it was, first came out, it was uh, quonky. <laughs> Yeah, no, I remember there was, I mean, I was too young to be an active part of it, but I remember that was uh, such a big controversy at the time. You know, it's hard to think that there was a time where people hated Steam because, you know, they felt like it was unnecessary DRM, you know, on their products. Uh, And now, you know, it's the most ubiquitous digital distribution platform on the face of the planet. It is wild. It was, you know, there were people outwardly, um, outwardly denying it. Like they, they like refused to get games and refused. They were like, no, if I can't get this another way, I'm not doing it. And I remember that happened with the Xbox too, Xbox 360, when um, EA started doing that with their games. Like you have to have an internet connection because it has to be able to do that, you know, digital handshake to make sure you own a physical copy. And people were so angry about that. And now it's like, you know, God, I want everything to be connected all the time because it updates all my firmware to the latest thing. And, and cool, every time I turn on Smash Brothers, is a new character. Like, I guess, keep giving me more stuff. Yeah, the, the history has definitely not been uh, totally kind to those people. But no. I, I'm, sure, I'm sure they went off and, you know, made GOG and all that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and there's still, you know, there, there's some reality to it. I don't like the fact that all digital interfaces can um, can like that companies are having the, uh, the argument that you don't actually own it at that point. Yeah. I, I, the, there is some, and I don't think anyone's really exercised that, you know, it happened with the Scott Pilgrim game that happened to me. I remember losing my copy of that for that reason. Um, that's back now, but that was 10 years, you know, or whatever it was. Um, but, uh, you know, that does scare me, you know, the fact that if everything is accessible via the cloud, then if, you know, this video game company gets sold and the people that own it now don't want to support that IP, you don't own that IP anymore. Well, there's a there's a gentleman named uh, Ross Scott, who a lot of people know him because he did a, the Freeman's Mind series back in the day. Uh-huh. Uh, and he runs a, a series called Game Dungeon now. And that's a that's a point he he runs a lot like he and he's he's actually started a number of uh, or my understanding is he plans to start a number of legal battles over the fact that a lot of games nowadays, they rely on a central server. Um, and th- that, you know, you're right. These companies, the, the moment they decide to abandon them, you know, you you can never play that game again. Right. You know I mean, it'd be they brick them. And to me, that's just, you know, I. That, that's just one of the like the worst things you can do. Like, I can't imagine looking at like I get that, it, you know, it's hard and nobody wants to release like their server source code and all that. But like the fact that you would like take a piece of art that sometimes hundreds of people have worked on uh, 
and basically say nobody will ever get to see this work again because of business is just I don't know. I I think it's one of the biggest like crises like for like people who like are about archiving games. Like I I think that you know if something isn't done about it, you know, in the next like ten fifteen years, like they will will reach a point where you know people there will be entire games just completely forgotten history because you yeah. know you can't play them anymore. And it's sad, you know. I, I, I've I've often said to myself that if I ever made a game that like was multiplayer, if I am ever ended up working in like an MMO type situation, just me personally, if I was running things, uh, and this is a big thing that Ross Scott he uh, he tries to fight for is I would have an end of life plan, which is what a lot of games yeah. should have. When you're ready to shut down the service, you should have a plan for people to be able to legally purchase and continue to play that game. You know what I mean? Ex- exactly. That's all they need to do. And and you know. Maybe it's they get, you know, an extra bump of money at the other end. You know, at least that's acceptable in that, okay, I was paying to use this game. And the agreement was I was getting paid to, you know, I paid you to use it all this time. And now here's some premium at the other end for me to end our user agreement. Like it's now mine. And then I get sent the files and I can play it local or, you know, my buddy can start a, his own server and we can all play. You know, like like how um, you know, art like Broadway musicals. You know, they're eventually a lot of them. They'll release their songbook to the world and say, "Hey, this is basically public domain. Just give us credit. Now you can do your own local version of it." It's like that's kind of the point of art is to share and and experience. And you know, it shouldn't be a classist, um, or you know, just any a, a capitalist thing that stops you from being able to see. Or use that art, you know. I'm. I get that. You know, um, uh, piracy is a terrible thing. It's always been a terrible thing. Uh, but I can still pick up my old Metroid cartridge from NES and pop that in a Retron or in a working NES and play it. And there's games that are less than you know 20 years old. Like what was it? Star Wars Galaxies. That was a big one. You know what I mean? Where it's just gone. That's yeah. it. <laughs> well, and that's like, the plug. <laughs> and I, I always really disliked like piracy as a, as a, as like an argument for that kind of DRM because I, I gave Newell gave a very good I don't know if it was a speech but he basically said that piracy is an accessibility problem <laughs> and I've I've actually released a game on Steam uh, previously called Blind Date I got you know it sold uh, <laughs> whether or not well is a, is this whole other matter but. Uh, like I don't consider piracy. Like if somebody goes goes out of their way to pirate my game, the chances that they were gonna buy my game are, you know, rock bottom. And and for indie developers, you can make different arguments about the validity of that claim. But nine times out of ten, uh, if somebody's pirating your game, they likely either don't have the resources to buy it in the first place. Or we're not really interested enough to buy it anyway. You know what I mean, right? And, absolutely. And I don't consider those as a as a lost sale. You know what I mean? I don't look at that and say that's money I didn't make. You know what I mean? Because and it's just not a healthy way to look at it anyway. Uh, I mean, of course, I do like that there is some protection there. I when you go to when you pirate a, a game, you do assume some risk going to a shady website, downloading files to your computer. You know. That could be any number of things other than the game or attached yep. to the game itself. 
but I don't know. I just I don't really view it as uh, as some like blight upon the industry. And if anything, I I think it's gotten. I th- I feel like piracy is lower than it really ever has been because most people, it's just it's just not especially with like online features or achievements. You know, cloud saves. You know, the convenience features that make people want to buy games. It's just not worth the hassle to pirate games and miss out on such a large array of things. You know what I mean? Right. No, absolutely. And I, I, I've had that outlook for a while that, you know, the movie industry and games industry is going to need to take a strong look at the music industry and how the music industry is attempting to save itself, or at least the people making real music in the music industry, not the, the big people at the top with the bottom line, but the artists, <clears throat> most music now within God, I've seen it happen even within the last five years bands have discovered that it's viable to just put your catalog up online, put your new album up online, let people listen to it. it. Your, your fans are going to appreciate getting to hear it before they buy it. I mean, that was part of the fun of going to like a Virgin record store or a, or a tower records or a Sam Goody was they had all the new albums out. You could sit there with headphones and listen to them. You know, you're, you're going to sell a better product by being transparent like that. And that's the way I look at like let's plays. They're trying to crack down on people playing, putting up let's plays because it's robbing people the experience of buying and playing the game. But it's like, I look at let's plays completely different. I look at them as the best form of advertisement you could ever have because it's somebody being enthusiastic about your game and enthusiasm sells. That, that, that I, I really do think that that's true, that if somebody sees how you interact with it and not just like uh, a review video online, that they're going to be more apt to buy it or know that they want to buy it. I That is one thing I've never heard. I've even seen some some independent developers having this opinion. I just don't get it. Like, I, I, don't, I don't I mean, like I love it when people play my games like I, I love watching uh seeing the reaction, seeing what works and what doesn't. I love getting my name out there and the name of the people I work with. I just, the idea that like you would ever make somebody pay you for advertising, like games are just a fundamentally different experience. Getting to play the game versus watching it is just not the same. So yeah, I I don't see anything wrong. And I, and I, I've never, I've never written this down, but I've always had the policy like, you know, I try to use non-copyrighted material in my games as best I can. Like, I don't use copyrighted music. Like, I'm very good about uh, making sure I have the either the license to use or... Right, you know, right. Or or I use a lot of public domain sounds. And I, I do, like, I tell, like, every bit of... Even the music, like, I'm, I have other people make music for me, but I always make sure that that's with the understanding that, yeah, people can play this game without ever having to fear that their channel will receive a strike or I'll take the monetary money from the video. You know what I mean? Cause, right. Cause when you look at it, like even if like, and let's be honest, Chris, I'm not, I'm not the richest man in the world and, and quite a few people have seen my game. Uh, but at the same time, I'm glad that people who have seen it, but can't or won't buy it still have experienced it in some way. You know, that's very fulfilling as somebody who makes art. You know what I mean? Well, that that's absolutely it. That's why arcade games have a free play option for when you walk around. It draws you in. It catches your eye. Like that's how how would you ever know what to pick? <laughs> you know what I mean? If if there wasn't a way to experience a little of it, and I know that there's trailers, but uh, another thing 
that I think uh, people are uh, not understanding that I think is incredible is that I feel Let's Plays have a way of getting um, people who are not either not like y- younger people who just are still learning and not quite there yet, but to get them to engage in games um, or people that just don't, you know, maybe don't have the ability, like, you know, can't actually function a controller, whether it's some, you know, um, health issue or some disability or something else, it lets them experience the game. And to me, like I, I bought the, um, the super Mario 3d all-stars game. I've played all three of these games. I've beaten all three of these games. My daughter who's five years old has not. She loves Mario. I put on the let's plays of these games. I have my wife put them on and she watches them as like background noise when I'm at work and I come home and then she's able to help tell me where to go and help me through the game. And it's a shared experience now because she knows. And like, so I let her direct me and that let's plays gave me that experience. Do you know what I mean? And that's not something I, you know, I wouldn't have had the time to sit down and go through it slowly, you know, and like, you know, or, or talk her. So it's, it's, they're fulfilling a gap. I think in the um, in the experience that I think is uh, is really important, and um, I think that's worth its weight in gold. Like if you're a game developer, you should. I think you're getting more sales because of them, not less. Yeah, I mean straight up. I, I think like and, and this is coming from a guy named Josh Wilson. I have the least Googleable name on the face of the planet. <laughs> you know. Like, my work would not be out there at all. Like, nobody would even know it exists uh, without Let's Plays, you know, uh, without people playing my game and people seeing people playing it. Uh, especially when it came out. Blind Date was, uh, I made it a long time ago. Well, I released it two years ago now. But uh, it was a kind of game that that really emotionally resonated with a lot of people. And, you know, I would never want to take you know, what I mean, right. and like you said, providing those experiences to people, even secondhand, you know, they may not be paying for the game itself and not be playing it. But clearly, that's a different experience watching it, especially if you're watching a Let's Player that you respect and like watch it. Uh, that's a different experience than playing the game yourself. You know, what I mean, and oftentimes I find if I like a game that uh, that I'm seeing somebody play and I want to and I want to play and I'm able to, uh, I I will get the game rather than watching somebody play it. I mean, I, I don't like let's players are de- to, in my mind are definitely like almost overwhelmingly like a, a young person thing. Like yes, as, you, abso- as you get older, like I just don't have time to watch them. And like a lot of games coming out nowadays are just not I don't want to say games aren't as good. There's a lot of really good stuff, but it's, you know. Yeah, I, I, I've got, you know, I'm a busy person. You know what I mean? Oh, I feel the exact same way. And and I think that's just a, it's not even necessarily age. It's just position you are in life. Like Let's Plays are definitely designed for the core gaming demographic, which are people with a lot of time on their hands. And that's not a negative thing. I, you know, I pick up a game for, you know, a half an hour here and there and I'm happy. I, I don't need to spend a ton of time watching someone else do it, but it, it was really within the last year when I had a kid that I started like really focusing on these and going like, this is an amazing thing. Like, and, and when we did that grumpy old gamers panel at PAX, I remember, uh, 
you know, one of the big surprises to my brother was when I said, you know, I, I want to have this section where I talk about Twitch and um, Let's Plays as, as not this negative thing that I think it gets, you know, strewn out to be. I mean, there's a lot of negative there. Um, there's a lot of negative people and toxic people there. But I think the it, it, Twitch and Let's Plays bring back the idea and the feeling of standing around your buddy at an arcade console or standing around your buddy doing a single player game on an NES and cheering them on, you know, and that is not an experience that the MMORPG um, time period or the online shooter, there was less of that, you know, cause that's a much more you're by yourself and you're fighting against other people and it's a community game. But I love the idea of someone getting on there and cheering someone on making it through a single player campaign. And I think we had missed that for a long period of time. Yeah. And especially in regards to Twitch, like, I, I don't know who was it that there was a big controversy like a week or two ago with, uh, he claimed he worked for Google Stadia, Alex Hutchison, I think his name oh, was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard Cause this. that's, that's really what, what stuck in my head about this conversation. And <laughs> he's just, I mean, he really doubled down on it. I, and like sort of something he seemed and i don't want to rag on this dude because you know everybody everybody has their perspective for a reason but the reason i feel like it's it's a little flawed is it's just like nobody's watching the twitch stream guy that's just sitting there playing the game you know what i mean people go there for a personality for almost a performance honestly they they go there they go there for reactions, you know, and, and oftentimes when I watch it, if I'm watching a Let's Play nowadays, it's because I want to see if other people's reactions were similar to the one I had when a certain yep. moment or story be hit. And it's just, I can't, I can't imagine looking at like the utility and just like wonderful nature of Twitch games and like what they do for, especially in indie developers who may not have otherwise gotten a chance, you know, in such a saturated market nowadays and say, yeah, I want those people to pay me for the privilege. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's, it's disgusting. That's like asking a radio station, the DJ at a radio station to pay you the royalties and playing the song. It's like, no, he's an employee of that place. Like what it was, he's getting the voice out to the world. We don't have that in games, but this guy, someone with, you know, a 20 million view thing, they pick up your game 20 million people are getting to see your game. Your there's not too many marketing alleyways you can go at this point. They're going to get that kind of viewership than if that guy decides to spin your record. You know what I mean? Right. Like, well, I think I think in the case of radio stations, don't they have to have licenses to play their music? They they do, but what I'm saying is that's like asking the DJ. That's like oh. asking the person spinning, you know what I mean? Like right, right. He, he doesn't have to like where, oh, well, I can't play this because I haven't given, you know, um, MGM like $200 this week. You know, there's someone above him thinking of that in the right. case of the Twitch, in the case of the Twitch streamer, they paid for the game already. Like right. that's, that's the end of your handshake. Like at right. this point, at this yeah, point, they're hanging out, they're hanging out in their house, you know, with a bunch of friends standing around watching them play the game. It's just to, a uh, to a giant audience, but that giant audience isn't stealing anything from you. They're, they're watching your game. They're watching the hard work. And I, if anything, as a developer, a let's play in a Twitch thing, more people than ever, ever imaginable are going to see every aspect of your game. All that hard work you put in, people are going to see it now. It's not, 
it's not a one-time, you know, experience for, for somebody alone, you know, 20 million times maybe, but you know, it's a, this guy played it through and really pushed every edge and every limit of your game and eyes all get to see it at the same time. And, and I think that's really cool. Yeah. And it's really exciting stuff. Like I've yet to have anybody, uh, I've yet to been able to be like in a stream for any of my games. I mean, obviously I'm not, you know, popular or anything uh, like some of the big <laughs> fish out there, but yeah, it's, it's exciting stuff. You know, I, 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 mean, I, just, I uh, go on. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I just, I hope it doesn't, I hope it doesn't go away. You know what I mean? I don't think it will. I think, I think that the presence of people like me and people like, like Val, for instance, like they have officially, they lit, streamer they encourage stream, streamers to make videos and produce content from the games like i i think that in the end if if companies start trying to enforce it it's only going to hurt them you know what i mean i think that's yeah. why it was such a bad take and nobody agrees with it because you know yeah the mo the moment you know ea or some big company starts deciding that they want to start enforcing a license that's when people like me swoop in and say hey you can play all of my games free of charge. You know what I mean? Right. No, it, 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 it's kind of like, and again, I get it. Like you go, you, if you go to a con and you pay to get into the con and you know that there's an actor, like a big actor there, that actor's presence there, you paid the price of the con to get into. So if you see them walking by or you go to their booth, that's the experience you paid for. There's also the ability to pay a higher ticket to like get an autograph. That's completely reasonable. You knew you were doing that. But let's say you run into that person in the street and they sign an autograph and then ask you for money afterwards. That's the equivalent of what they're doing on Twitch is they're basically saying, hey, you know, you you had the joy of meeting me, person you love in public. I'm going to make you pay for the opportunity. And it's just like, no, like it's different if I know that I'm paying to get a chance to interact with you and get an autograph, that's completely fine. But it's that, like that dig in after him. I just gave you an experience that you, you know, and, and it's going to change your view of them. It's like, they don't cherish the experience, you know, like imagine seeing a live band and like loving the experience. And then they just do something to like tweak or like, don't let you leave until you buy a CD you know, we're just some, it, it just has that feel of like, there was no shared experience. You're not actually here to share your art with me. You're here just to make money off of me. And that is the eventual thing everybody's trying to do, but it doesn't have to feel that way. Yeah. You know, has to have a little heart, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I, I mean, every artist makes art because they like making it. That's usually the start, <laughs> you know, but you also want to make money. If, if you're making a product. So it, it's, it's a terrible balance. Yeah. So, um, what, a I, I use, you know, because I do things off the cuff, the, the, the order of things go funky, but, um, how, uh, where do you come from, Josh? Where, where did you grow up? What got you to, um, to doing what you do now? So I, grew up in like middle of nowhere texas there's a there's a town in north texas called valley view that has mm -hmm. a dairy queen and a gas station and a grain oh, elevator and that's sweet. it uh and my father uh we grew i grew up i i was born in texas i uh, i grew up in just a uh, middle of nowhere uh then my father got a divorce and we moved to you know a suburban area uh and then about 
four years ago now, uh, we moved to Florida. This is right as I graduated high school. He wanted to live the Jimmy Buffett life. Man didn't go to the beach like more than twice. Uh, and we decided we hate it there because Florida is a dumpster. Yeah. Uh, and we moved back to Texas. Uh, you know, uh, he he's a computer scientist. He's always, you know, pushed me to I not be like him, but he's definitely, you know, influenced me in a lot of ways into pursuing very similar career paths. Uh, you know, and I was always like not just him, but I was always interested in computers as a kid. You know, I was I was a bit of a shut in, you know, all the way throughout high school. Like I didn't really go out much. I, I was I was, you know, your typical nerd. I, oh, yeah. You know, I stayed home. I played Minecraft or whatever we were playing at the time. Uh, and, you know, that's just sort of how I live my life. It hasn't been too incredibly eventful. You know, things around me have. You know, my father's been married four times since I was born. No, three times since I was born once before. Oh, wow. Oh, I mean, that's, you know, Texas men for you. You know what I mean? You're not doing Sound- it right until you're on your third divorce. Sounds about par for the course, yeah. That was- <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I, for the most part, I like it here. You know, I go to school uh, full time uh, and I work full time and I'm really just, you know, I'm looking to get to the point in my life where the thing I have to worry about is painting the fence on the weekend and, you know, getting my kid to school. Uh, and that's really where I'm on the way, what I'm trying to do now. Uh, oh, man, I, I, I wish you a swift entering into that life. It is a good life. <clears throat> Oh yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a busy individual now because you know I, I go into, I like I work as much as I can because you know you got to pay for school somehow. Yeah. And obviously school takes up a certain amount of time, and then I've got all this game development stuff. You know, I've got a girlfriend, so you know you've got to, It's a very delicate balance. Oh yeah, and yeah, it's it's funny, um, how the things that like like the schoolwork and the job and everything, the things that don't need the attention. Like they don't react back, you know, are, are, are the thing that you, it's like, I got to give it all this attention now. And it's, it's really hard to find that balance. I, I had a, I had a, you know, my wife now, um, girlfriend all throughout the end of college and grad school. And it, I, I she's just such a trooper for sticking around because it was not easy. And I, and I have a many like you, many irons in the fire kind of a guy. So I am, you know, I'm everybody's go-to guy for lots of things and so i i get it completely all, all you yeah. can do is be the best you you can that's, yeah that's all you can do no i i actually really respect the hell out of you i i actually found out about you i think your your brother signal boosted you one day oh or maybe may, yeah he he did something he, i think he shouted out it was when you guys started the tangent yes uh, brothers podcast and i started listening to them uh and then I sort of, you know, I followed you on Twitter and I, uh, you know, I've sort of just been keeping up with your work ever since. But you've really been like, like, especially in the last year. Sorry, I got a cough. <coughs> uh, especially in the last year, you've grown a whole lot. Like you went from. God, I remember when I started following, you had maybe like 40 fall. You didn't have a lot. But then, you know, it's no, got, uh, yeah, you yeah, I started supports. Oh, it's really crazy. Well, well I, I appreciate that because, you know, that. This is not, this takes a lot of hard work, right? Um, Doing, doing the, you know, the internet persona and the content creation thing is not, is not, um, it's not something I ever saw myself breaking into. Uh, And Bob, obviously, 
um, has broken into it. Um, God, he was basically on the ground zero of it because he was he was making his videos back the first time I heard of Yahtzee Croshaw when I was in college. And I, then and then he won that contest and ended up getting a gig on that site. And it was like that was like the coolest thing that could ever happen. Right. That you know, how that uh, happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. If, so, so there was there were two. So Bob's an interesting fella. So he he's always been the um uh gonna march to his own drummer guy of the two of us and so he he um knocked down a lot of walls that made you know kind of me being a more well-rounded kind of go with the flow kind of guy especially in you know as he would put it you know i did the thing everyone expects of people and got a real degree and a real job i think his degree is a real degree but whatever you know and he went off and chased his dream and so his dream you know kept him working in retail you know because he wanted to make movies and he wanted to make content and he wanted to do this so he lost a job um you know because re retail is a is a dying industry and so he he had worked at a best buy and then you know at a borders books and he was at home and, you know, I was going to college and coming home on the weekends and he would play these videos for me. And those were the original versions of the game overthinker and the, the movie Bob reviews. And I'm like, Bob, this stuff's great. And so he'd started putting it up online and gained a fan base, you know, on his own, like without a connection to any website, a pretty big, like, you know, this is like 50, 60, a hundred thousand views, you know, on these things it, it, for, for a guy doing it on his own, this was a big deal. And, uh, his fans entered him into a contest on screw attack and entered him into a contest on the escapist or no, it was, they, they entered him in a contest on screw attack and he won it and screw attack started hosting the game Overthinker, and the escapist caught wind of it because there were a couple of familiars that he had worked with that were in there. And they said, well, we need a movie guy. And that's how he got his job on the escapist where they're like, you're like Yahtzee, but you, we, what do you do? That's not games. Cause we already have that guy. And so that kind of happened overnight, like, and, and he didn't push for it. You know, it was just like, Hey, we entered you in this contest and you won it. And he was like, what? <laughs> okay. That's so that it, it was insane. Right. And, and, you know, obviously he's cultivated both people that love him and people that hate him, you know, throughout the years, but, uh, he's always been himself. He hasn't changed. He hasn't faltered. And, uh, he three years ago, was like, Hey, you know, Chris, my fans want me to do a podcast. Um, and I think you should be my, my first guest. And so we recorded a couple episodes and people liked it. And, you know, him and I have just always had an ability to talk about anything. And he said, Hey, Chris, you know, wh why don't you be my co-host? And I was like, yeah, I'll be the co-host. And we recorded a few more episodes. And then we got to like episode five or six. And he said, Chris, why don't you name it? And so I named it the tangent. And after recording that first episode of the tangent, he, uh, he said, he goes, all right, he goes, log on to this site. And he had me log on to patreon.com slash the chippa. And he says, here's your Patreon. You already have a few fans. The show's yours. Have fun. And, um, and I was like, well, Bob, like, what do I do? And he goes, well, he goes, you are, you already have followers. He goes, start making stuff. And I thought, you know, well, I'll just do the tangent and we'll do one a month. You know, and that seemed like the hardest thing to do was one a month. And now I have four shows and, and I have so much recorded right now that if I did just the one a week thing I committed to, because I've been, I've gotten at least 
I think I, I committed to one podcast a week, two years ago, and I've done, I've averaged six a month. So more than that since I'm covered up until like the middle of January right now with recordings. Cause I'm oh, really? crazy. Cause I'm out of my mind. No, that's <laughs> that, good. That, it's good to get ahead. And eventually like when you get ahead enough, you can start, you know, well, doing twice a week. And well, I, that's you know, what something... I do. I, I actually twice, twice a month. Now I do twice a week. That's how I get ahead. And, and if I do a tangent with Bob, since that's more sporadic, cause you know, the world's a depressing hellhole right now. Um, right. you know, <laughs> Uh, you know, I'll drop those on a Thursday night or, you know, on, in October I did the Salem horror fest reviews. So I wanted to get all those out while that, while it was still Halloween season. So I did 17 shows last month. Oh my. yeah. I, I, I remember, especially cause I started making the thumbnails for that. Uh, yeah. very tail end and yeah, you, you, you were like, I need these three and I'm like, okay, you know, whatever you need, you know, uh, you definitely should consider, um, hiring an editor to take your highlights and put them on a, put them on a YouTube channel for you as well. I think that's actually a really good idea. I actually, I work with, um, with an editor, uh, Seth Decker, um, who's from the film rescue show. Uh, and he, um, he actually is my editor for this made the chippa, my, um, my video show that I do. I don't know if you've caught any of those yet, but that's a, that's a really cool one. I I have caught I've caught a few. Uh, and, my original and sorry, my original intention was to have every podcast on YouTube, and I, I, I actually make a video file to put up for all of them. But I stopped about a year ago, and I need to get it. Just it's very cumbersome to upload to YouTube, whereas right. the 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 podcast I put it in one place, and it just puts it everywhere. Well, and it's just uh, like I mean, you've you've seen my YouTube channel at this point. Yeah, or, you know, one of them. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've been wanting, I, I mean, I did that cook, I do that cooking show on there. Uh, yep. and it, uh, I'm sad cause I had just the amount of time it takes to make and edit videos. is just insane. You know, like yes. those videos are only 15 minutes long, but you're taking four or five hours of footage, you know, you're having to think of jokes and I'm not particularly funny. So, you know, I really got to think about them <laughs> and uh, you just, it's just a whole process. Yeah, I, I totally get it. You know, I, I don't know yeah, how no, some of these guys keep up. A highlight reel is a really good idea. I didn't oh, yeah. even think of that. That's there's fantastic. A, there's another podcast I listen to called uh, called The Weekly Planet. It's two guys from New Zealand, uh, and they do a segment called Caravan of Garbage uh that they put up on youtube once a week after their podcast and that's how i got introduced to their podcast was you know they were putting out this uh this segment and i thought they were really funny i uh, and i found out and they you know of course they plug their podcast every episode and that's how i started listening to that it's, i think it's a good way to reach people i mean as hard as right, it is a condensed down canned like greatest hits yeah no that's a really good idea yeah I mean, you can throw that in there with the thumbnails if you need somebody to work on it, but that one's a little no. bit harder. No, no, in. that that one, that one I can probably do myself. Uh, you know, uh, but but again, it's the time. But no, Seth, Seth is definitely Seth. If you're listening, you got a new job. It sounds like. Um, <laughs> but My yeah, bad. no, um, no, no, that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to, you know, I, I don't want to use up too much of either of our time. But yet again, you seem like a person that I could just talk to for hours. So you're you're definitely open invite to come back on, especially if you have something to, to plug. But um, I wanted to touch on you sent me that. And I know it's from your, your channel. So you, you say you do cooking shows. I haven't 
dug into all of it yet. But that um that that music video that you did was awesome. Oh yeah, uh, that that is I consider that kind of my magnum opus of that channel, and it's it's a dead shame that it's got six hundred views, and about half of them are me showing it to people. Uh, Dude, don't don't ever be ashamed of any amount of views because views are views. That means it got to somebody. I I sometimes I'll put a show out that'll get you know like um for a podcast you know two or two hundred and fifty views is actually puts you in a pretty middle of the ground middle of the road for a month and that's kind of the average of what I get so I'm no like giant but you know when I put something on YouTube sometimes I go oh only thirty people watched it what the hell people like me why are only thirty people watching it now but any amount of views is awesome that video of yours I, I think I'm just gonna share it with this podcast because it is awesome. Oh yeah I it's you know I, I like to call it like my my the the hidden gem because I like to imagine the reaction someone might have if they just ran across it because it's a bizarre video, you know, but I, yeah, I, I love this. I, I got to shout out my friend, uh, Will, he goes by William underscore Williams. Uh, he helped. So I came to him with the idea for the song with the initial set of lyrics and him and I worked back and forth on it for composing the actual track. Uh, that's him singing. Cause I sound like a dead canary. Uh, <laughs> But he he's he sang it and he composed it and we wrote the lyrics together and he did just a phenomenal job. I, and I did I did all the 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 visual effects for it. Uh, fun fact for that is that that was before I learned how to animate in Blender. So those are all uh, those are all rendered in real time in Unity. Uh, what? Yeah, uh, I had that's, to, like that's a lot of work, dude. It it was such a, that that first shot where it's flying through all the TVs. Those are render textures on it, uh, and my frame rate was so low. The and this is this was the dumbest thing I think I've ever done. Uh, my, my my frame rate was so low in the real time that I had to write uh, some code to force Unity to render at one frame per second. Uh, and I took what? screenshots of like that's like a fifteen second sequence at twenty four frames. There's like. Over you know two thousand images that I then had to stitch together using FFmpeg. It was that was an insane like that first shot had so much work into it that it was just you know it was crazy. Well, you you did a really cool job, um, and and I like the concept. I like the song. It's wicked catchy. Um, it, it it reminds me of like it has a bygone era feel which you said is what you're going for it reminds me of something like you would have seen in the the early days of like you know uh, music videos um or like you know it has like that max headroom and like yeah. you know 80s 90s view of the it just it's really damn cool and um and and and, and dude i just really like it and and i'm psyched that you're uh, you're you're Looking for a new Twitter handle too. I can't wait to find out what uh, what you're going to come up with. I've 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 narrowed it down to two. Maybe you can pull this for your podcast viewers and let me know. I've narrowed it down to two: uh, Josh Amaton and Hollow underscore Josh. Because because <laughs> I like this. I know that like because you you got like one small aspect of it. I have been uh, I've been on the search for this new Twitter handle for about two weeks because I made my current one static lo-fi and high school and it's just it's not marketable like it's not catchy you know and i'm sitting here trying to you know i my name's josh wilson so you know i'm there are 
2,500 Josh Wilsons in the United States. I'm not even the most famous one. <laughs> so I'm trying to, like, rebrand myself a little bit so that I can, you know, so that when somebody Googles something, they're not having to sift through, you know, five pages of Google results before, hey, that's the guy who makes video games, you know? Right, so, yeah. exactly. No, that, yes, set, I, send, I went, send me those two so I can pull it. Because... Uh, no, you, you'll probably want to cut this out. But knowing my luck, somebody's going to go and make <laughs> Twitter accounts with those handles, and then I'll be up, you know, up a creek. No, uh, dude, just just make them both right now. Yeah, well, you make can them both your... and just blow, and just blow one up. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like seriously. Yeah, it's a uh, but. Yeah, that's been that's been a whole process. Like I pulled you, I pulled several people like i sent them that whole list of usernames i said pick your top three you know i had a spreadsheet going with like i know this sounds dumb but i had bar graphs of like the most popular ones. Oh, dude that's dude you're trying to brand yourself there's nothing wrong with doing it that way well and you got to do it right too because like if you're going to build a brand off of something like you've got the chippa if i go google the chippa right now i am like that's unique enough that i'm almost certainly going to find you Yes, that's uh, right. Here. Yep, the ch you are literally the first result. You've got your Patreon, the podcasts. You go look up Josh Wilson, you get a guy who makes Christian country music. Like, Oh, that's not who I'm interviewing right now? No wonder I was confused. No, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I like to joke about that a lot. I told my, I told my girlfriend uh, once that I like to joke that that's me, that I write Christian love songs about her. Just replace Jesus with Navia. And, yes, Je Jesus is a metaphor, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. God. No, I actually, like, like both you um, and your brother, like, you guys have, like, a really good sense, like, you know, like, I talk to people about, like, like Movie Bob, and they know who he is. You know what I mean? Uh, Isn't it wild? Am, it is. I, I do feel bad in some regards because, like, he's gained... I didn't know he had even any level of notoriety because it's it's almost exclusively like on Twitter. Yep. So I had like I I loved his work for years. Like I like I remember working in a fast food joint when I was fifteen or sixteen, listening to Really That Good. Uh, uh. And then when I started following him on Twitter, I I never realized that like there was so much vitriol against him. Like it just it boggles the mind. Twitter was yeah. a mistake. <laughs> Twitter, Twitter was definitely a mistake. The, the, and and it's it, it's it, the thing with Bob is that he he will not back down, and so that's I he always joked with me, and I'm I'm learning a lot more that this was not the healthiest way of me being, but I've always been kind of the great um uh like a connector between people. Like I've I have friends from many different walks of life, and. You know, I, I was always the person that could, you know, like get people of differing viewpoints together in a room and get them to talk it out calmly. And I was very proud about that. And Bob was always the, no, 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 no. What you think is wrong. Like, that's not good. And he's always been very strong willed about that. And being that black and white about stuff um, has a tendency to push people away. Um, and I realized maybe some of the people that you push away are probably good to be away, but, uh, 
unfortunately with something like Twitter, you get way too many of those groups spilling over into each other and people have to pick sides. And so as many people on, you know, say the, the right wing of the government or the right wing of politics as Bob upsets, he upsets just as many on the left side, um, that goes, that swing too far in the other direction. And so he, he, he gets, he gets a lot of people angry at him and, um, but, but he, uh, you know, he doesn't back down and I give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah, I, I respect that. I mean, just, uh, I mean, I definitely think like, personally, I'm more like you, like you got to pick your battles sometimes, like yep. having an argument, you can argue with somebody until you're blue in the face about some things and you'll never get anything done. You know what I mean? All you're going to do is, and this is just how I, personally I look at myself, like my, my mom, my father and my mother used to tell me, like, when I was younger, like, you can be the smartest person on the planet, but if you're kind of a dick about it, nobody's going to want to, you know, be around you. Yes. Uh, and I'm not, I'm definitely not saying that's what Bob is at all. Uh, but I do feel like, I do feel bad, like, on occasion, because it's like, yeah, like, you just, like, sometimes, like, the worst thing you can do is, like, give people the satisfaction of giving them attention. You know what I mean? Yep. Yes, that's, absolutely. that's all like especially when I see with like some of the tweets that he ends up replying to it's just people looking to get a rise out of him you know what I mean people will say yep. and do anything for attention and the moment you validate what they're saying with a response you're just you're you're showing to the world that like you know they can come and attack you you know what I mean and you're gonna get yeah. upset about it and give them attention yeah but at the same time I do respect that he doesn't back down like it's a hell of a thing it's a brave thing to go out there be yourself, you know, just unabashedly, you know, you and not yes. apologize for it. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and I do and, respect and, that. And and his view, I think his view from the direction of it, his, he takes is even though I agree with you that, um, that that's a big part of it. Um, and that's, that it's unhealthy to the, the level of, uh, feeding the trolls that, that can happen in that situation is that his outlook on it all the time is, these people go unchecked too many of them are allowed to walk around and just say and do whatever they want to people and the systems and the social structure says you can't call them on it and to him he needs to be the one to call them on it even if it's to his detriment and i it's it's we we serve different purposes in the same um, goal, right? Everybody wants the world to be a better place. I think me and him are on the exact same side of where we want things to end up. But it's like different levels within the management system, right? Like I have to be like human resources for it, where where he gets to where where he where he gets to be, you know, the revolutionary, you know, going out there and you know causing the trouble on the streets. And we 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 make a good team that way. I think him and I that, you know, so many people come to me thinking that I don't think the same way as him and we don't agree on everything, you know, but I mean, I get, I get plenty of messages from people on Twitter going, Hey, at least you're not a dick bag like your brother. And I'm like, wow, that's a really great way to start a conversation (laughs) Unfollow, you know, like asking like and wanting and wanting to be on my show. And I'm like, you know, you could say, Hey, I don't always agree with your brother and I've gotten into battles with him in the past, but I really respect you guys. That's a way to like lead that one off. But instead they want to go, I'm going to shit on your co-host and your brother and then try to make nicey nice. <laughs> I'm like, what? Funny. I <laughs> can't imagine. To, like, seriously, like it, it happens so often 
where like people will be like, well, you know, you seem like the cooler one of the two of you. So if you ever want to be on a show, I don't want to come on your show. Like, what? what is wrong with you? <laughs> Man, you I mean, it, honestly, you two are very similar to me and my sister. She's always been the the headstrong, you know, in people's face, like unapologetic. You know, we don't always see eye to eye. But, yeah, I would never let anybody, you know, t- talk talk crap about my sister to my face and, you know, uh, and then expect me to be like, Hey, you want to be friends? No, like you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to be a jerk about it to me, like, you know, man, I, 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 like you both do like very good work. Like I said, like, I mean, you, you definitely came later. Like I found out about you, but like Bob was like, I don't know. He was pretty influential to me, like ever since I was like a teenager. You know, I, I don't want to make anybody feel old or anything, but yeah, I've been, I've been listening to his stuff. You know, seven years now. Like, wow. And that's that. And for me, that represents you know a third of my entire life. Like you know, I I'm wow. actually I'm actually pretty excited to see him back, like separate from the Escapist. You know, they he did a lot of good work with them, but. Like, I felt like a lot of my favorite content from him came in the form of, like, really that good. Like, yes, his reviews, his reviews for The Escapist were good, were separate. And I'm really happy to see that he gets to keep the big picture branding because I I think I, I think his reviews are good. But I think like a lot of his like really insightful stuff comes from the big picture. I agree. And, and little do people understand or know because <laughs> we we haven't we haven't recorded a tangent since you know since him and the escapist parted ways again but um l- little do people know uh that that was part of the agreement of him coming back when when they when they came back and you know um russ pitts and you know the the people that were there originally you know, got the site back from the doldrums of Yahtzee being the only one that knew how to log into it because all the ownership had gone away. When they started it back up a few years back, um, his agreement was, hey, you know, all of this stuff that I haven't been able to use for like five years or, you know, however long it was, um, if I come back, I own all that, including the name, meaning that if I ever, if, if we ever have to part ways again, I take it with me. And that was a really smart decision on his part and one that they were very willing to go along with. That wasn't like, there's no vitriol as far as I can tell, you know, that it's just a rough industry out there right now. They, you oh, know, yeah. you especially gotta, for somebody who <laughs> primarily reviews movies and, you and know, there's no movies, <laughs> you know, and he, he made it very clear. He wasn't going to go risk his life and the life of his family to go see, you know, Christopher Nolan's tenant, you know? Yep. I, oh, yeah. I do, and, no, no, go on. I was. I agree. I, I, I actually, I love Christopher Nolan to the ends of the earth, and I'm pretty much accepting the fact that I will probably never watch Tenet, even if it comes out on DVD, just because of how gross the push for that movie was to be in an unsafe environment. I think it, that it's, it's it just really disgusting. Gross, because I was seeing advertisements like big movies back in Dallas, and I'm sitting here thinking, like, you are encouraging people in a major this isn't like middle of nowhere this town has five people and you know a screen they have set up on a farm like this is you know a major population center and you're you're encouraging people to go you know and sit in a crowded room and i just don't get it who wants like to me and i hate to say this you know i i know i know i know your brother would probably disagree with me this i think that movie theaters 
need to change anyway. And I think that this is going to be a huge paradigm shift for them into a more enjoyable experience because I agree. I don't want to like, uh, even outside of a pandemic, I'm now realizing I don't want to go to a dark room with strangers who are going to, you know, eat loudly and cough and talk, you know, just so I can see it on a bigger screen. I like being at home, making my own reasonably priced snacks, you know, not having right. to wait in a line, being able to pause and go to the bathroom without worrying that I'm missing anything, you know, check my phone. If, you know, I get a text or something, you know, be able to watch it again, you know, right after, if I really enjoyed it that much, I, I really do feel like, and it's crazy to me because the last like real movie movie that I thought was worth watching in a crowd was Avengers Endgame. And it's crazy that that was, you know, being the monolith that it was, that it really put an end cap to what I feel was the traditional movie experience. That was, I agree, that was still, yeah, probably the biggest last great theatrical experience. There's been good movies that have come since, but that experience... And the fact that Bob surprised me with getting me into the critic screening of that, I, I, yeah, I don't know if you, if you knew that, but so, so this, this was wild. He calls me up at work and he said, uh, Hey, do you think Sarah would be okay if you came home a little late tonight? And I went, uh, well, um, you know, it's, it's kind of last minute and we have kids. He goes, Chris, he said, a big movie that's coming out in a couple of weeks and I'm trying to be as quiet is, is playing and I get to bring a second. Can you be in Boston at seven o'clock? Like, and he had to be like, I had to give them my phone. You know what I mean? Like this was like, and it was friggin' incredible. I, it was, it was, and it was early. It was two weeks before the movie came out. So it was like, you know, it, with critics, you know, all seeing it for the first time, it got a standing ovation. Everyone was high fiving. It was so cool. <laughs> you know, I, I can't mean? imagine. That sounds like a lot of fun. And that's, you know, if I were Bob, you know, like to me, that's the ultimate pickup line. You know, hey, I got a, I got a critic screening to Endgame. <laughs> you know, you want to join me? So, I mean, yeah, the fact that he shared that experience with you, that's a, that's really cool. I never knew that. I feel no, like it I'm was learning it, a whole lot about you. I didn't know. That's really cool. It was, it was awesome. It's only happened a few times. So what was it happened. like having to walk amongst like the rest of us, knowing? I mean, spoilers for Avengers Endgame. Oh my god! It was yeah, terrible. knowing, knowing it was what terrible. <laughs> oh my god, dude, dude, and and we we had fun with it. We came out, and you can find this on my YouTube channel. It was one of the uh, um, chip in the third persons that I did. Uh, I, I grabbed him and we sat down at the, there's like a little like rotunda out in front of the theater on the Boston common. And I, and I said, okay, I said, everybody, Bob and I just got out of an Avengers Endgame screening and we're going to give you spoilers for the movie. And we just made up shit. Oh my God. <laughs> oh man, that part where Venom showed up. Holy shit. You know, and we were, like, and, and, oh yeah, man. And then that part where Frodo and them, they threw the ring into the mouth. Oh wait, no, we got, and we were just having so much fun and people loved it. They thought it was so goddamn funny. <laughs> I, I just, really like to think that there was maybe like a, like a couple blog writers that went home and legitimately said, you know, maybe started a rant about, you know, I can't believe Venom's in the, no, we we had a lot of fun yeah. with it. And I gotta I gotta get my sister into movie reviews. You know, apparently connections pay off. That sounds like a lot of fun, though. No, he Man. he's 
it, it he he leads a cool life doing that stuff, and he, he shares it with me from time to time. And he actually shares shares it with my wife too. He got her into some stuff that you know I I would have been less interested in when he got into screenings. And he took he took her and her sister to see Ford Ford v Ferrari, and her sister's a like intense car person, and so that was like you know a dream like you know she got to see that movie before all her friends and that was really cool he's he's a he's a really really good guy and people need to understand that <laughs> yeah no i i i mean i i believe it you know hey everybody has you know good things and bad things about them you know well yep. desirable things and less desirable things i guess is a better ab- way to put ab- it. absolutely you know and you gotta you gotta take the the good with the bad you know, and that that's something I've always uh I've always really been a big uh just a big proponent of, you know. You you gotta accept people in their entirety, so to speak. You know. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. Well, I'm I, I gotta go back to work, but I would like to give you a chance. Give the sounding board to you. If there's anything you need to pitch, anyone you want to give a shout out to, uh, whatever, whatever you want to say, go for it. I, I really just say, like, please follow me on Twitter. Like, I feel like Jeb Bush a little bit. Like, you know, I got, ah! <laughs> you know, I just, you know, I, I would like, you know, if you want to see my work, if anything I've said sounds really interesting to you, uh, like, check me out. You know, I, I'm on YouTube at Above Comedy. I do some funny stuff on there on occasion. Uh, I've got my Twitter, which will be irrelevant. But you can follow me at Static Lo-Fi right now. You know that'll be changing soon, but uh, yeah, like seriously, just check out my stuff. You can find me as JC Wilson on itch.io. Uh, and if you're just looking for like other people, uh, my friend William Williams, William underscore Williams, makes some great music. Uh, he does a really good job uh, with a lot of stuff, and he and he's always been producing some really nice stuff. Uh, and I, yeah, I guess that's it for now, you know? Awesome. Yeah. Seriously. Check out, check out Josh's stuff. Um, even, even the demo, what was that? Was beat down revolution? Is that what it was called? Yeah. 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 That, that was a really fun game. It, fun demo is, you know, a first person shooter, but you gotta do everything to the beat. Um, that, that game, that, uh, PAX was also the first time I had played, the uh, the Zelda game that, that is done that way. What is that called? The uh, Cadence of uh, Hyrule. Cadence of Hyrule. Yeah, those those games are. I had never played a game like that before. You know, I love rhythm games, but I had never played one like that, and that was really cool. So, um, yeah. Well, uh, dude, thank you so so much. This has been a blast. Um, I you know, I'm I'm glad we have a you know an internet friendship and we got to meet in person. Um, you know, back at PAX, you know, the last time we were all able to be out in public safely. I, I don't know if you remember, but I actually ended up missing that. I, I, I was, a, I, oh, I yeah, kicked, no, right. I kick myself in the butt every time because I was like, I can't believe, like, I was away from the booth and I couldn't get to you guys in we've, time. We've just been talking so much and it's been so transparent that I thought that I had actually gotten around to meeting you. I'm sorry. I feel like an idiot. No, no, you're good. But if you're ever in Texas and you're looking for a beer, you know, hit me up. Like absolutely. It's, I mean, when it's deal, safe to do deal. so, obviously. Yeah. But, well, either uh, way, we were we were we were both at PAX, and that was the last time you were safely able to be out in public. <laughs> at least I was, anyway. Uh, but yeah, I'll let you get back to work. Like, uh, this was a lot of fun, you know. Uh, and I, I don't know how you end these things, but yeah. No, yeah, no, yeah. 
Josh, thank you for shooting the shit with Chippa, and thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Have a good night, man.